Do you care about supporting small business? I do. Do you care about supporting women in business? Man, I really do. Do you care about excellent customer service? I think it's a dying art and I really, really support it. That's why I support Paco Collars. They hit all of these bases and then some. My dogs wear gorgeous handcrafted leather collars from them and I get to support a company that I really believe in. So if you believe in the same stuff I do, get over to PacoCollars.com, order the best dog collar you've ever had with a lifetime guarantee, and don't forget to enter the promo code COGDOG for free shipping. Off-leash exercise is vital to your dog's health and well-being, and with SniffSpot, all dogs can have access to safe off-leash areas. SniffSpot is an app and it's like Airbnb for yards, agility fields, open acreage, and hosts are earning as much as $1,000 a month just by opening up their spaces to dog owners like you. Hosts have total control over the schedule and SniffSpot even has their back on the insurance front, so the income is easy. Help spread SniffSpot by becoming a host and when you sign up with the promo code COGK9, that's C-O-G, the letter K, and the number 9, you'll automatically earn $25 at your first booking. Let's make decompression easy and accessible for all people and their dogs. Sign up at SniffSpot.com today. Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah Strumming of the Cognitive Canine, and this is Cog Dog Radio, a podcast about all things dog sports and dog training. Join me as I explore my cases and considerations regarding the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, dog people of the internet. I'm really glad to be back after kind of a brief hiatus. I have been having some health concerns. I had to have a pretty major surgery. Um, and I do have a few more surgeries in my future, but I am going to be completely fine. So that's the good news. I will be okay. The bad news is um, I'll probably need to take a couple of other breaks from podcasting Um kind of before the year is over, but it's okay. I've got great support. I'm doing fine and I really appreciate everybody's concerns and I'm glad to be back. So I did a shout out on my CogDog Radio Facebook page for topics because I knew I was looking to kind of record a batch of podcasts and you guys were awesome. You posted so many great topic ideas and so you're going to be hearing a lot of them here. And one of the requests was from Erin Rose McNeil. She said, if you only have 10 minutes free in a day, what is the one thing you can do to improve your dog's life? And first of all, love this question, Erin, because it means that you're prioritizing your dog's kind of happiness and your dog's um, overall quality of life. And I think everybody who listens to this podcast probably does prioritize that. But what I love about it is it's kind of saying, look, I'm human. I don't have countless hours in my day. What can I do if I do have 10 minutes? And I think most of us can scrape together 10 minutes on most days. So that's why I love this question. I'm going to go down kind of my list of what I think you can do in 10 minutes. Um, 
also, this is very real for me right now. Um, I'm about a month out of my major surgery, and so for the past month, my dogs have not been getting what they normally get, and there's going to be several more times that they don't um, get their normal exercise, their normal enrichment, etc. And so it's a real question for me at, at this time as well. So the first thing that you can always do, kind of the big easy thing that does not even take 10 minutes, is you can ditch your bowl. Meaning your dog has to eat every day. Every day they have to, you know, have a certain caloric intake. And you can always use that to your advantage by not feeding them out of a bowl anymore. So you can feed them out of Kongs. It does not take even 10 minutes to stuff one Kong. Um, I spend about an hour once a week stuffing about 40 Kongs. <laughs> um, that's so that every one of the seven dogs in my household can have a Kong every day. Um, if you're not a crazy person with that many dogs, you don't need to spend an hour doing it. Um, 10, 15 minutes to stuff four or five Kongs and then you've got them. You've got one every day for, you know, four or five days straight. You stick them in the freezer and now your dog has something to do um, every day. So my dogs tend to eat one Kong a day and um, kind of as their first meal of the day. You can also stuff your food, you know, you're going to feed your dog a bowl of food. Whether it's kibble or raw, it doesn't really matter. You can put that food inside kind of brown paper of any kind. You can use a brown paper bag. You can use, we order a lot of stuff from uh, Chewy.com and from Chewy you get a box and brown paper every time you get stuff. And so then the boxes and the brown paper can be used for further enrichment. You can put kibble in the brown paper, wad that up. Um, you can put anything in, in the box and close it and have your dog kind of work to get it out. So basically having them have to think, use their brain, use their body to get to their food is the biggest, easiest way that you can improve their quality of life. And it isn't difficult if you have a lot of ideas. Um, or even if you just rotate between like three or four ideas, that's perfectly fine. Daily, my dogs pretty much get a Kong and then they get a meal out of a slow feeder. Okay, that's not big enrichment, you guys, but it makes a difference. It's different from just putting food in a bowl, handing it to the dog and having it be gone in two seconds. So that's kind of the the big easy thing that I think everybody can do every day and it probably won't even take any longer um, or maybe one or two minutes longer than it would have taken you to just put food in the bowl. So another thing, and you know, this is uh, something that I, I love and that is dear to me is just do a little training. Doing a little bit of positive reinforcement based training every single day improves the quality of your life and of your dog's life immensely. And 10 minutes a day of training is actually a lot. So if you have 10 minutes that you can put towards a training project every day, that's huge. You're training more than most of us if you're doing that. Um, and so what I would do if you're like, oh gosh, I don't, I don't know if I can train every, every day. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if I have enough projects, you know, et cetera here's what you want to do. Make some big goals. Okay. So maybe you want to get into the obedience ring later this year, or maybe you want to get um, a nose work title, or maybe it's an agility goal. But basically think of what is my big goal and then break that goal down into 
actual training pieces that you need to work on. Okay. So if it is obedience, I really recommend my friend Hannah Brannigan's book, Awesome Obedience, because it will show you exactly how to break down all of the skills that you need for obedience into kind of manageable, trainable pieces. Um, so if you're interested in obedience, I would definitely go there. Um, any other training goal, you just kind of break it up into, I would, if you're already competing, I would break it up into your weaknesses. I would say, where are you most often flunking if you're flunking on course? Is it contacts? Is it weave pull entries? Is it bar knocking? Where are you flunking? And then put those into your training projects. So maybe Monday I spend 10 minutes working on my contact behaviors. Maybe Wednesday I spend 10 minutes working on weave pull entries and then Friday I spend 10 minutes uh, working on my start line stay. That, you know, those are easy ways to not only improve your dog's quality of life, which was the primary question here, but also to just improve your overall performance. You'd be amazed, this training stuff, it actually works. Um, and then, you know, this is kind of going along the same lines, but another way to enhance your dog's quality of life is to enroll in an online class. And this is not just self, you know, totally um, blatant self-promotion here because I'm not even teaching any online classes right now, but enrolling in an online class will help you to always have a little bit of homework to do so that when you get home after work, um, or maybe you have that 10 minutes, you know, around your lunch break or, you know, whatever your day looks like, um, you have that online class so you can go, okay, what homework do I need to do? And then you've always got homework. So you go and you do your two minutes of homework and you film it and then you put it on YouTube and put it up for your instructor, 10 minutes, done. Or maybe you're not at gold in class, maybe you're just at bronze in class. That's even better because now you don't have to worry about video editing. You don't have to worry about timing. You just say, okay, I've got 10 minutes. I'm going to do homework. And every night, my dog and I are going to do homework together. Your dog will start to look forward to that. And your dog's, again, quality of life will be improved overall with those online classes. Um, and just in case you don't know, I teach online classes for Fenzy Dog Sports Academy. Um, I'm not teaching anything for the current term because of the stuff that I kind of talked about at the top of the episode. I'm not really able to right now. Um, but I am planning on teaching in the October term. So definitely watch out for my classes there. And I will talk about that a little bit later um, as, as we go into later podcast. Another one to improve your dog's quality of life, get into a fitness regime with your dog. And that's, I don't mean training for a marathon with your dog beside you, because I'm definitely not going to be doing that. Um, contact a sports medicine vet and get a fitness plan or take one of the online fitness courses and get your dog into a fitness plan. And then your dog actually has a workout to do. And you've got that 10 minutes are spent exercising the brain and the body. And how important, how cool is that um, to just have that fitness regime? Every day for me, let's see, if I devoted 10 minutes every day, I think I would alternate agility training days um, for Felix. I'd probably alternate obedience training days for Iggy. And then the days in between, they'd probably get workouts um, on their fitness routines. 
when I'm actively competing, I do prioritize those workouts actually above training. So I prioritize the workouts above everything else. I want to make sure they're in the best condition that they can be in for competing. Um, not actively competing right now. So primarily when I do a workout for them, it is to wear out their brain and body so that we can all then kind of go veg out because I'm kind of exhausted all the time um, at the moment and my dogs are not. So, but really easy for me to do a quick workout with them. And that didn't require me driving to my walk spot and walking for two hours. It just required me sitting in a chair and slinging some cheese at them for doing the right thing. So good fitness training should not be really hard on you. It should not require a whole lot of equipment. Um, and one of the classes that I really love is the Beyond the Peanut Cavaletti's course, which is actually running right now at Fenzy Dog Sports Academy. Registration um, is open and you should definitely jump in on that because Cavaletti's are super versatile and that's actually the whole point of the class is that if you've got a set of Cavaletti's, you can do a lot more with them than just trotting your dog through. So they can be cardio, they can be... Um, flexibility, range of motion. They can be all kinds of things. Body awareness, running my, you know, Cavaletti's for me, what I see when I do them with my dogs is that their brain needs to work and so does their body because it's hard. So, and if you've ever tried to kind of run through rails or anything like that, any kind of human agility training, you probably know that it's hard and it's, it's great because it kind of tires them out in a way that just a walk cannot because it's not working their brain as much. Um, and I think it's really helpful. So definitely check that one out if you have not already. And then lastly, provide them with sniffing opportunities. Dogs are primarily olfactory. Um, in fact, when talking with my partner, Leslie, um, who actually teaches the Cavaletti course, you know, she kind of, we were watching one of our dogs dream. So the dog was dreaming, meaning in deep sleep, eyeballs twitching, feet twitching, maybe a little vocalizing. And we were just kind of talking about what dogs maybe dream about. Um, and I mentioned that I've kind of thought for a long time that I think dogs probably dream in scent, uh, the way that we dream in pictures. So we dream primarily in visual, um, stimuli and we we see stuff that's that's how we are dreaming if you remember a dream you probably remember some feelings and some pictures and not so much noise and not so really not scent um whereas dogs are primarily you know because we are primarily sight-based dogs are primarily scent-based so while i think probably sight and sound are maybe part of their dreams and certainly feelings are part of their dreams. I think they might dream in kind of a more olfactory way. And we have no way of knowing this, but it's just kind of a thought that I had um, because they live in such a scent-based world. And so knowing that, I think you should engage their nose more. Um, one way you can do that that's easy to do is nose work. There's a lot of online courses for nose work at Fenzy Dog Sports Academy, and they're great. It's also a growing, really growing industry, so you'll probably you can probably find some local nose work classes. Um, I took one a couple of months ago with the two oldest dogs in the house, and I really had a great time doing it. 
Um, and they, you know, they loved it. It was so easy for them and so fun for them. Uh, they were like dragging me into the room by the end once they understood what was going on. Tracking is another really, I enjoy tracking. Um, I find it logistically a little bit difficult, but other than that, I think it's really one of the most peaceful, um, things I've ever taught a dog I've ever engaged in doing with them because you're outside in nature, just watching the dog kind of do what they already know how to do. Um, and when Watson was a puppy and he was kind of fresh off his surgery for an orthopedic condition that he has, tracking was our godsend because he could not have a bunch of, you know, raucous, fast moving exercise, which is what he wanted. But I could lay a track for him and put him on a tracking line and have him move his body and use his brain and engage his nose and, and get tired in the same kind of way that he might if I was able to take him on a decompression walk. So tracking was really, really helpful for him. And other ways that you can kind of casually just engage them in their world of scent would be to scatter food in your yard. I will just chuck cups of kibble into the grass. Um, and watch them snuffle around and find all the pieces of kibble. And it's actually peaceful for me to watch that. And I love watching them do that because they're just fully, fully in their kind of world of scent and not in the rest of the world. Um, I've mentioned before on the podcast that you could spread uh, wild animal urine <laughs> in your yard. If you're a total weirdo, you can buy that kind of stuff. Um, you can put it around the perimeters. You can just kind of just like I said, just engage their olfactory experience because it is a really important part of how they function in the world. And we don't think about it like that. And the reason we don't is because we don't function in the world like that. Um, we function visually, but it's important to understand what the things are that they, you know, most value. And I think their ability to sniff around and find stuff is at the top of that list. So you can hide things, you can uh, scatter kibble, you can use novel scents like the animal urine I mentioned um, to just kind of help engage that part of their being and that will help improve their quality of life too. And again, should be about under 10 minutes. And just a final kind of piece, because this is my experience right now, is that when all else fails, ask your friends for help. Um, in my current situation, I have had friends, especially for Felix, who has some pretty high enrichment needs because he's young and he's smart and he's used to having his needs really met. Like he's not used to having to roll with not having a lot of stuff um, to do you know, usually three two-hour decompression walks a week and then some food-based enrichment every single day um, and then usually some kind of activity, whether it's agility or um, a hike at a new place every weekend or maybe a trip to the beach. Like, that's Felix's life and it has been since he was a puppy. And so the fact that I was on the couch for probably two solid weeks and then kind of half off the couch for the next couple of weeks... Um, which is where I'm at now, that means that he's not getting everything that he needs. And so right away, you know, when I was fresh out of surgery, he stayed with a friend of mine who he stays with all the time where he gets all his needs met every day and he has a really nice time doing that. And I missed him terribly, but it was better for him to just go and be there doing that. 
Um, he and our other young dogs were basically sent to camp. Uh, camp Christine is my friend who takes care of them. And they had a great time and had no idea what was going on at home. And that's perfect. Whereas Iggy, Iggy's my 10-year-old. She and I have been together for a decade. We're very, very tight. We're really bonded to each other. She'd rather be near me, not getting any needs met, not, you know, not getting exercise, not getting enrichment, but close to me than anywhere else. So she stayed here um, and she absolutely just laid by me the whole time. And that's, that's just kind of who she is. But the first walk that I got her out on, I could really tell how much she'd been missing it. I mean, she was like racing around like she was a puppy. So it's, these things are important to her. She needs them. But she's not going to suffer if she doesn't get them on a daily basis uh, the way that Felix would. So make decisions for your individual dogs and your individual circumstances. Do the best you can with the circumstances that you have and know that no two dogs are the same. I mean, the amount that Felix requires for him to be what I consider kind of behaviorally sound and healthy and um, happy is probably higher than, you know, your average dog. He's a, you know, he's a young border collie and he's very smart and he, he just has high needs. They're kind of a high needs breed when they're young. Um, and so, like I said, this is not about one size fits all. This is really dog dependent and it's also situational, situationally dependent. Um, He's still not back. Felix is still not back to having the kind of life that I was giving him pre-surgery. And it'll take a while for us to get back there. But he's coping really well. And I'm just basically trying to give him the best that I can give him for now. And then when I have to go back to surgery, he'll go back to Camp Christine. And he will, um, you know, and I'm just really grateful to have something like that. So that I know that he's being taken care of even if I'm not the one that's doing it. I also had a couple of great friends come over who I walk with all the time and pick him up and take him on a walk. And, you know, that was, that was so precious and important because he came back and he was able to take a deep breath and lie on the couch with me and just kind of go, okay, my needs have been met. And so now I can be here for you. And before then he just, he can't. So Looking at actual tangible behaviors and saying, you know, what behaviors do I want to see get smaller as I increase enrichment and what behaviors, um, what behaviors indicate to me that my dog is behaviorally and health, behaviorally healthy and normal right now. For me, it's deep sleep during the day. So if they can just plop down wherever they are and sleep solid, like dream, then I know their needs are being met. If they can't do that, then they're not. Um, and that's kind of the easy one to look at. So I hope this was helpful, you guys. And I, uh, again, shout out to Aaron who posted the original question. I'm going to be coming at a whole bunch of those questions that were posted in that thread. You can still find it on CogDog Radio if you want to weigh in and put, um, that's CogDog Radio, the Facebook page, um, if you want to add a comment with your topic idea. And go through and like the ones that you want to hear about because that's how I'm picking the topics. I'm looking at how many likes or responses that the question is getting. Um, if it's getting a whole bunch of them, then I know a lot of you guys are interested. So that's why I'm picking. So go through and like the ones that you want. Um, and also make sure that you weigh in on this post. If you have, you know, more, more topic ideas, you can always comment on this podcast episode as well. I'm glad to be back. 
and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to CogDog Radio. If you have questions or suggestions, shoot them over to cogdogradio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like the CogDog Radio Facebook page, and until next time, happy training!